Welcome to Gateway's podcast. We hope God speaks to you through this message from Pastor Don Brock. For more information about Gateway, please visit www.gatewaybc.com. It's great seeing you this morning. Today we're going to be talking about the name that's above all names. You know, there, there's something we call um, divine appointments, uh, or you might say, well, that wasn't an accidental meeting or a happen, uh, happen chance meeting or crossing a paths. Uh, that was something very special. And, you know, in some cases, those crossing of paths, those divine appointments can actually be life-altering. Um, I'll be honest with you, sometimes I get real excited when I have those moments. Sometimes I, I'm kind of like, oh, I've got a busy schedule. I don't want that now. And uh, sometimes it's for a one-time special moment. Sometimes it's for a season of time. And sometimes it even lasts for a lifetime. And there's one that actually lasts for eternity. Now, I always try to be sensitive in those moments. Um, sadly, many times I fail because I'm being a little too selfish. I'm being all about me and my agenda and my time. And I want to go, no, not now. I'm tired. I'm busy. Um, I remember one time I was flying home on an international flight after a long speaking engagement, and I was just tired, and I was ready to get home. And, and so I got on the plane, and I sat down, and the, the guy sitting next to me uh, was sound asleep, and I said a prayer, thank you, Jesus. And uh, I was very kind of thankful for that. And uh, so when the meal came, he woke up, and he was ready to talk. And I said, okay, we'll have this conversation. Well, it turned out, he said, I said, so tell me about yourself. He said, well, I'm a senior at NC State. I said, oh, well, I went to NC State. I said, where are you coming from? He said, I'm coming from Africa. I just came back from a mission trip. I said, well, that's cool. Tell me about that. And uh, he said, well, I just became a Christian last semester. I said, oh, so you're a senior in college? He said, yeah, and I was a bad student. And I, I was not a very good person. And uh, he's, he said, I was just living for me, and I was living the party life. He said, but I heard about Jesus when I was uh, my last semester of a junior, and I gave my life to Jesus, and now things are just completely different. And this was an amazing mission trip. And now I'm going to spend the next two years of my life on the mission field. I said, well, that's amazing. And, he's, and then when he found out I was a pastor, he started asking a lot of questions. And, and I just said, you know, I live in Columbia. It's about four hours from state. If you ever want to just come down for a visit, you're, you're free to come. Well, two weeks later, <clears throat> I forgot to tell Mary and she walks down from the bedroom early in the morning, and here's this guy sitting on the couch in the den, and I was in another room, and he looks up at Mary, he said, hey, I'm Jeff, I met your husband on a plane. <laughs> and he, he spent the next couple of days with us, and, and I connected him with several friends that would be of help to him on the mission field, and, and, uh, and so it was just great. It was for a season that we were interconnected with each other, and we spent time talking a lot, and praying about things and talking through things, and uh, and that that was that was great. So even in my selfish moment, being all about me, you know, God got my attention and said, "Hey, this is not about you." Now my life has actually been filled has been filled with a lot of divine appointments. 
Um, a year ago, this last week, a friend of mine in, grew up in Gateway, out in, uh, at the, at the uh, just went into the Navy, he was out in the San Diego area, and he was getting married, and he asked me if I would come to his wedding in San Diego. I said, absolutely. So I was flying out of Charlotte to San Diego, and there was a young man sitting next to me, his name was Grayson, and um, we were sitting there, and we were just kind of talking a little bit, and I said, so what's up, what's up with you? He said, well, I'm, I'm going back home to San Diego. I'm flying in from uh, Barbados where I was in a surfing tournament. I said, oh, you're a surfer. Turned out he was in the 11th grade. And I looked him up later. This guy's like a world-class surfer. And he's like surfs all over the place. And so we were just on the plane together for about four or five hours. And that was really cool. And then we kind of connected on Instagram and we've just kind of been chatting for the last year. And it was, uh, it was just, it's been, he's taught me a lot <clears throat> about this whole world of surfing that I knew nothing about. Um, in fact, he started, he was surfing this past Thursday and Friday. I watched him online where you can watch it live, and that was really cool watching that. Um, so, I mean, here's, yeah, here's some pictures of him. He's, I mean, he, he looks like he knows what he's doing. And... Uh, <laughs> So it's really cool watching him online and just seeing him and just knowing who he is. So that's really been good. Well, add to the story, when Mary uh, had her fight with the armadillo and didn't win, um, here's the picture of the armadillo. Right after this picture, this is up at the lake house. Right after this picture, is actually a video, but I just made a clip, just took out this one photo. The armadillo turned and turned to her, and then she did this. And uh, Barnaby Deadman, you know, did all that hardware for her. He loves to play with power tools. And um, it looks like deck screws put in her ankle. But he rebuilt her ankle. And then her family is always loving on her, so they made this for her. Um, an armadillo. <laughs> an armadillo cake. And... Uh, <laughs> Mary comes from a fun family. So now shortly after Mary shattered her ankle, Grayson broke his foot surfing. And uh, so I would check on him and see how he was progressing. He had to have surgery, had to put pins in there. He sent me a video of them taking the pins out. And it's like, oh, that grossed me out. And um, but he would check on Mary and see how she was doing. And then he was wearing a boot like Mary was wearing. So I sent him a picture. I said, now here's what Mary did with her boot when she got done with it. Maybe you ought to do the same thing. <coughs> so he liked that idea. I don't know if he did it or not. But um, Thursday, this past Thursday was the first time he got to get back in the water and compete. And he won his heat on Thursday. So that was really cool. And uh, watching that. And so I've, I've just been extremely impressed with this young man. And uh, Grayson may be online, watching us online today, so hey, Grayson. And, um, and I'm very thankful that we had that divine appointment together and uh, being able to get to know each other. And you just never know who you're gonna cross paths with and, or what may come of that encounter. And uh, that's why I try to always listen very careful, carefully to the Holy Spirit. In fact, some of you today, some of you today are going to have a divine appointment. 
And your divine appointment's not gonna be for a moment or a season or a lifetime. It's gonna be for eternity. Your divine appointment is gonna last you from here on out. No end to it. Because some of you are going to encounter Jesus on a personal level. Now, most of you know about Jesus. A lot of you, you go to, you go to church because you were raised that way. And, um, and some of you, I think if you'd be honest, you say, yeah, I'm, I'm a Christian, but just on Sundays, really. And maybe you're just really what we would call a cultural Christian. You do it because you were raised that way. And recently, I shared with some of you about four months ago, I got to share and talk, teach 2,000 students aged 15 to 25 in Iraq. Maybe three, three or 400 were Christians. The rest were Muslims. The vast majority of them, I would say, were cultural Muslims. They were Muslims because that's what their parents were, and they were just raised that way. Just like a lot of Christians, cultural Christians. They're a Christian because their parents were and they were raised that way. And, and so I found that these Muslims realized, I want to know the truth. And so when they heard that an American was going to be speaking, they, they wanted to listen to what he had to say. So they had an opportunity for a divine appointment to hear about this man called Jesus and how he changed everything. So today, I want us to see who Jesus really is. Because if the crucifixion did happen, and if the resurrection was a reality, then the verses I'm about to read that we're going to look at are a reality. And these verses, if they're a reality, these words are revealing your future. They're revealing your future with certainty. It's an absolute. If Jesus really lived, if he really died on a cross, and if he really rose from the dead, then these words are an absolute. Now, much of your future here on earth, you know, you, you can make your plans and you can make your decisions. You have control over those things. But you don't have control, absolute control of your future. I mean, you don't control the events that happen to you, events that shatter an ankle or break a foot. You don't have control over those events. And, um, but there are some things that are definite. There are some things that are absolutely unavoidable. There's one thing that it's going to happen, and that is physical death. That's an absolute. We cannot prevent it by any decision that we make. But we can control what happens when it comes. Now that seems more powerful to me. I can make a decision that controls what happens when death comes. And so do you. You can control that decision. You get to decide in advance what the outcome is of that event 
that's going to happen. Philippians chapter 2. You must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. So Christ is the supreme example of humility and selfless concern for others. And you know, every time I get selfish and I don't want to have a divine encounter with somebody or a divine appointment because I'm too busy with my schedule, I get reminded of this verse right here. Don, you must have the same attitude that Christ has. Though he was God, Jesus eternally has been God. He's always been God. Though he was God, he did not think equality to God as something to cling to. So in other words, in verse 7 it says, instead he gave up his divine privileges for a period of time. 33 years to be exact. So here he was God and he temporarily gave up his rights to certain things and the Bible says he took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So for a season, he chose to give up these rights that he had as being God and he emptied himself temporarily for our sake. I mean, if I'm going to have the same attitude as Jesus, then I have to get to that place where I say, life is not about me. It's not my schedule and agenda that matters. And if I'm going to have the same attitude and that of Jesus, then I need to look at divine appointments and I need to pray, Lord, please use me however you want to. Then it says, when he appeared in human form, so temporarily, 33 years, he set aside his heavenly glory. He set aside certain divine attributes like omniscience, omnipresence. He was in one place at one time. The Bible says he didn't know certain things because he chose to set that aside. Eternal riches, I mean, he owned the universe. He made the universe. But when he came to earth, he was a poor guy born into a poor family. So even for, and, and, and this is the one that amazes me, even for a period of time, maybe three hours, four hours, we don't know exactly, but on the cross, when he took on our sins as if he had personally committed them, he had his fellowship with the Trinity broken. For the first time in all eternity, fellowship between Jesus and the Father and Jesus and the Holy Spirit was broken because he had become your sins. And God being a holy God had to turn his back on his son. Because he was holy, Jesus now took on your sins. Even though he had not committed a single sin, he took on your sins as if he personally had committed every single one of them. Now, I know how many sins that would be for me. 
That would be a boatload. But just add up everybody in this room. Add up all the people on the planet. Add up all the people who's ever lived or ever will live. That's overwhelming to think about all those sins. And he took them on as if he personally had committed those sins. And then fellowship with God was broken for the very first time. Overwhelming. Verse 8, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Jesus took God's wrath, every single drop, so that you would not have to. Jesus allowed his own creation, because he created the human race. He allowed his own creation to crucify him. And even while they were crucifying, he chose to forgive them. Unbelievable. Now, don't, don't think this, don't think for a second, Jesus had no choice in the matter. Jesus could have walked away from the cross at any moment. Thursday night when he was praying in the garden, he could have said, nope, I'm not going to do it. He even said to one of his disciples, there are legions, thousands upon thousands of angels that are just waiting for him to give the word and they would immediately come down. They would appear right there and would escort him back home. So yeah, Jesus had a choice. He could have said no. And if he had said no, you and I would have no hope whatsoever. Because you and I would have to experience that wrath of God's of our, for our sins. And even the further humiliation was the way he was crucified. I mean, this crucifixion is the cruelest, most excruciating, most degrading form of death ever devised. Usually it took a person days to actually die. But Jesus had been beaten to near death before he was put on the cross that he only lived for six hours. Now that seems like a long time in itself. But he was so near death before he even got to the cross. And he did that in your place, in my place. And in all the hideousness of that crucifixion, he still forgave the guys who were driving the nails in his hands and feet. He forgave the religious leaders who demanded his death. Oh, they had plenty of other sins to pay for. But they'll not have to pay for that one because Jesus asked God to forgive them and God always answers Jesus' prayers. Verse nine, therefore, this is where it gets good. Therefore, God elevated him, Jesus, to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names 
So Christ's new name that placed him above everything else by comparison, his new name is Lord. And if that's true, then that changes everything. Verse 10, and at the name of Jesus, this is where it gets really personal now. These, this is describing what is going to happen. It's going to happen. You have no choice in the matter except to choose where it happens. You get to choose that. That at the name of Jesus, every name, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. The entire universe is going to worship Jesus Christ as Lord. When they see him for who he is, they're going to bow down. They, they will. They just will. It's like when Jesus declared himself as Lord to the people who came to arrest him in the garden. When he said, it's me, I'm him, they fell back. They were overwhelmed with his presence. It says, and every tongue declare, that means to acknowledge, to affirm, to agree with, that Jesus Christ is Lord, sovereign authority, to the glory of God the Father. And this is the purpose of Christ being elevated, being exalted, is to glorify God. Now, this mandate, here's who it includes. It includes all the angels in heaven. It includes all the souls and spirits of people who've already died as Christians and are in heaven right now. It includes them. It includes all Christians that are on earth right now. It includes all on earth who are not Christians. So either you're a believer in Christ or you're not. Everybody falls in one of those two buckets. Everybody. No other option. Then all the demons in hell, it'll include them, and it'll include all of lost humanity, everyone who died without Jesus, who's in hell or will be in hell, it includes them. So that pretty much is everybody. In fact, that's exactly everybody. Everybody. So here's the key. You have two choices. You get to decide. You can choose to accept Jesus right now and be on his side in eternity, worshiping him and enjoying all of his glory and all the riches of heaven and all the amazing things of heaven. You can decide now for you to be there then. Or you can say no or you can choose not to decide, which is the same as saying no. Those are your two choices. They're exclusive alternatives. It's one or the other. You get to decide up until you pass from this earth. When death comes to you, the decision's done. There's no second choice. There's no second opportunity. 
The Bible is very clear. Jesus is very clear about that. So while you're still breathing and living, you have an opportunity to choose. You get to, to choose the ultimate event that's going to happen. You get to choose what happens when that event comes. That's a lot of power in your hands. So if all this is true, you're going to bow down to your knees and you're going to declare Jesus as Lord, either in heaven or in hell. You're going to do it. So what are you going to do about it? If Jesus really died for your sins and he did, what are you going to do about it? If Jesus really rose from the dead, and he did, what are you going to do about it? In fact, if somebody says, well, I just don't know if Jesus really rose from the dead. Well, the evidence is overwhelming, but I would only say this to you. Are you willing to risk your eternal soul on the possibility that you're right and the Bible's wrong? Are you willing to risk your eternal soul on your opinion and believe that the Bible is wrong? Because that's what you're doing. If Jesus really rose from the dead, what are you going to do about it? If you already believe and you've accepted Christ as your Lord, what are you doing about it? You see, you have a brief time to actually do something about it. You have that brief time when you have divine appointments to do something about it. You know, I, I'm so thankful about the name of Jesus because here's what it means. It, it means that Satan is powerless. It means that the demons can't touch me. They were cast out in the name of Jesus. Healing occurred in the name of Jesus. Salvation comes in the name of Jesus. We're baptized in the name of Jesus. We're justified in the name of Jesus. Everything that we say and do is done in his name. We pray in the name of Jesus. And when we pray, when we pray to ask Jesus to come in our lives, we're admitting a couple of things. We're admitting that my life, I admitted that my life was bankrupt under my own name. That under my name, I have nothing. And so when I pray to ask Christ in my life, I am identifying with the person Jesus Christ. And Jesus literally gives us his name. So that means when I pray, what does he say? He says, pray for anything in my name and I'll do it. So that means that Jesus opened up a heavenly bank account for me and the checks have his name on it and his signature on it and he hands them to me. He says, you pray in my name. You pray and if it's God's will and it's in my name, it's gonna be done. And there's unlimited resources. I remember when I first opened a checking account in high school they didn't have credit cards back then or debit cards back then, so you had to have a check, a checking account. <clears throat> and um, I was always really nervous about 
never going over the balance or because I didn't want to write a bad check. And I remember one time in the 12th grade that I looked at my checkbook and realized I had written a check for more than what was the balance was. And I just freaked out. And I just got in my car and drove straight down to the bank. And I walked in there and I said, hey, I've made a mistake. I wrote a check. I don't have enough money in there. Here's some cash to cover it. And they looked at me and they said, oh, you're all right, Don. I said, what? I said, I wrote a check and there's not money in my account to cover the check. They said, you're covered. I said, what do you mean? They said, well, your mom told us to attach her, your checking account to her account. I said, really? Does she know that I know that? <laughs> and they got really sheepish at that point. I said, oh, maybe you weren't supposed to know that. I said, well, I've got a favorite ask. Don't tell her that you told me. Now, I didn't abuse it, but I quit worrying. I never intentionally wrote a bad check, but I didn't worry about it because I knew I was covered. You know, when, when I sin, when I make mistakes, I confess it, but then I don't worry about it because I know I'm forgiven. If I head down a wrong path and, and I have to face the consequences of doing that, I ask for forgiveness and I hate the consequences, but I don't worry about it because I know Jesus took care of it. Jesus forgave me. Jesus forgave me for the things I haven't even done yet. How amazing is that? And, and so I don't, I don't worry about losing my salvation because that won't happen. I don't worry about what happens if, if, if I... If I do something really dumb and God says, all right, that's it. I'm marking your name out. He, he, he's, he promised that would never happen. It's a done deal. And so I, just, I stopped worrying about it. See, when you pray and ask Jesus to come into your life, you pray in his authority. You submit to his will. You are representing him and his interest here on earth. So when I have divine appointments, when you have divine appointments and you're a believer, it's not about you. It's not about me. You are representing Jesus. You're his spokesperson in that moment. And he's given you everything that you need to be his spokesperson. So why is the death of Jesus good news? It's because of the wrath of God that was poured out on his son for you and me. And as a result, his grace was poured out on us. God's wrath was poured out on Jesus so that Jesus could pour out his grace on you. Why is the resurrection good news? Because the resurrection shows that Jesus' sacrifice was accepted. The empty tomb shows that sin was defeated. That's why Easter is so important. The resurrection proves who Jesus is. 
It validates what Jesus taught. That's what the resurrection does. John 8, it says, and you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. It'll set you free from your sins. It'll set you free from worry. It'll set you free from anxiety. It'll set you free from trying to live other people's expectations. It'll set you free. You know, all the religions of the world except Christianity trust in human merit for salvation. Christianity is the only thing the only religion in the world that it's not based on you earning it because it's impossible to earn. Ultimately, the resurrection proves that he indeed is Lord and Savior. All of Christianity rises or falls on the physical resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. You take away the resurrection, there is nothing. So my invitation to you today is for your divine appointment. Whether you're watching online or whether you're sitting in the auditorium, maybe this is your divine appointment. I'm ready to stop being a cultural Christian. I want to be a biblical Christian. I'm ready to say yes to Jesus. I'm ready to have my sins forgiven. I'm ready to stop worrying about all this junk of life. I'm ready to guarantee my place in heaven. We're gonna pray together. I'm gonna be in the front. You come. You come and say yes to Jesus. Say yes to your divine appointment. Father, thank you. Thank you for your incredible love for us. Thank you for your willingness to forgive us over and over and over again. Thank you that you backed up who you were by raising from the dead. Thank you that your salvation is free, that we only have to accept it. Lord, I pray, just like many of those Muslims that I spoke to were cultural Muslims, and we're seeing so many Muslims turning to Jesus and saying yes to him. I pray for Christians who are really just cultural Christians, that they'll turn from that tradition to reality and become a biblical Christian by saying yes to Jesus. We pray this and trust this in Jesus' name. Amen.